Hi, I'm Laura Boswell. And I'm Peter Keegan. And we have the talented Mr B on sound. Want to take the leap and become a working artist? The sort that actually gets to make art and pay the bills at the same time? Well, we are both that sort of artist and we're going to help you become one too. Now, when making the leap from novice to professional artist, it's a wise idea to have a plan of what you'd like to achieve and how you envisage that working. However, in this new COVID world, there are many more challenges and obstacles that present themselves to artists and makers to make that job much harder. So today, Laura and I will be discussing some strategies and ideas for creating a business plan that could work for you during this new COVID era. So, Laura, we haven't had a catch up for a while about how this COVID-19 pandemic has been affecting our jobs as artists because it really has had some big impacts oh, it it, for both has, of us. Yes. So how are you kind of getting on since we've last uh, chatted about this? Well, it's I'm reaching the end of the third of my YouTube tutorial series, which has been a bit of an epic. So during lockdown, I started doing these little tutorials on YouTube and that's kind of grown and grown and it's been fantastic. And you'd never done that before? before no, this no. And it's it's like one of, I mean, it's a bit like doing the podcast, really. You know, you start off with a plan and then you adapt it as you go. And it's been really, really good. And I'm coming to the end of the third series in, I think it ends in a couple of weeks with an end of term party. And then we have to think again, because I, I think we need to move on to something new. So I'm kind of reaching a stage with that where I'm starting to think about maybe moving more into more structured online teaching. Mm. So so that's one thing. I have got a show open up in Edinburgh at oh, Birch wow. Tree Gallery, which I'm very excited about. So, so is, that, I, is that a gallery or is that a fair? That's a event? gallery. Okay. And that's a solo show. So during COVID, obviously, the gallery's operating in a COVID safe way. So mm-hmm. we've had to take all that on board. Have you had many events cancelled? Yeah, of- I mean, I, I basically most of the year, you know, all the teaching, face-to-face teaching, all the art fairs and, mm. sh- and, and shows. And actually, I should have had this show with Birch Tree in March. Oh, so it's been postponed. So it's been postponed. And I've got an event in December, which is a show and teaching in Stroud, which we're very much planning to go ahead. Mm. So there are things happening, but obviously it all comes with the COVID Mm. rider. So the other thing I've done, which I think we've both done, is to support the artist support pledge. Mm -hmm. So I'm producing prints at the moment. I know you've been doing drawings and things like that for it. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Mm. I have found myself, and certainly Mr. B has found himself, increasingly busy, if Mm. anything. I Mm. think we're we're really, really busy with keeping people in the know about me and what I'm doing and also finding ways to reach people that are different from the the traditional. But I think that's true of you, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's funny because... Speaking to lots of artists, they've said in many ways they've they're never busier. Yeah, but I that's, think that's true. It's not necessarily yeah. they're busy making art. It's they're 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 busy finding new ways to sell and oh, get get sure. out there. Yeah. Which of course they would usually rely on the shows mm. and, and exhibitions and events and open studios and all these things would to do all that. And of course, when you take that away, and I've had all that removed, so I've of had course. to find new ways. So I'm mm. busier in that sense. I'm not busier doing art I'd love to be but it's not it's it's sort of I'm putting a lot more f- emphasis and effort into people, trying to find yeah. ways to sell and, and get the work out there I think people forget that that the the actual business of being a working artist is it's very admin heavy mm. 
And also, it's all about reaching the audience in an appropriate way. And we've all had to change that method. Yeah. And I, was, I mean, I was speaking to uh, Tom Shepard, who we both interviewed on here before. And I, no, think I was he, just thinking of Tom. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of very correctly pointed out, I think the people that will survive you know, this, this, this pandemic, their businesses, mm. particularly artists, are the ones that will be flexible and adaptable and will be, you know, that will change their, their viewpoint on how they approach public and how they sell. Those that are mm. very rigid and want to go back to the, thing, the, the way things it's used to be. It's how we've always done it. Yeah, it's no. it's going to be very hard for them to kind of to adapt and to carry on in the old way because whether you like it or not, I think the 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 art world and the whole world is going to need to move and change well, in a new direction. I mean, you've only got to to look at the news to see that the way people are buying things is changing, mm. the way people are shopping is changing, mm. the, the the connections people are making is changing. You know, whether that's because they're shopping online because yeah. they can't get out, or whether it's because they are spending in a more conscious way and they want more of a connection with the products they buy mm. you know whether that's for environmental reasons or whatever so i think it's it's being able to really identify what the audience want i was talking to will francis mm-hmm. who we also interviewed and he has moved down the sort of patreon route and very tailored teaching things like that but just like everyone else he he says you have to adapt and you have to change. Mm. So, How do you feel about people who who buy art solely seeing it digitally? Because I was I'm, my natural instinct is to be dead against it because I want to see a product, whether it's two-dimensional, three-dimensional. I want to see it in the flesh. I want to touch it, feel it, look at the scale, see the effect of light, how it plays on you know, brush strokes or, or print and ink marks. I was kind of almost dead against it, yet I am seeing, you know, an uprising people buying my work and other people's work solely through seeing it online. And consequently, I am as well. And I, I kind of, it's an interesting thing I had to sort of be okay with, whereas my instinct was, no, that's not how art should be consumed, mm, yet it is, that is where the world is sort of heading. How do you feel about that? It is an interesting one. You know, in an absolute ideal world, of course, you would be able to put mm. your client in front of the artwork. But... My experience has been that if the client likes it in the virtual world online, they are much, much happier when it arrives in yeah, person. It's always it's, going to be better. Yeah. It's always going to be more subtle, more intense, more complex. Mm. So for the client, you know, if they've got no problem with it, I haven't. And one of the things I've noticed during the pandemic is that the prints that I'm selling online are off to America, Australia, places like that. So it's kind of opened up a a worldwide market for me. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've not got a problem with it at all. Yeah. I, I, I still have had people who've come to the studio during the pandemic and we're very conscious about dealing with it safely but i'm still welcoming clients to the studio yes. if they want to come and choose in person yeah no so. I'm, I'm the same with my studio as well i think there's you know, people still want that connection but mm. as you're right i think if you if you embrace technology the virtual yeah. you know social media or selling online of course you suddenly open your market internationally and of course everyone would you know wants more people looking and buying yeah, their work absolutely. so you know it's it's a, it's a thing that i've had to kind of grow to like and accept in my mind mm. you know i was there's something instinct about you shouldn't buy it, you should see it in the flesh. No, but, but actually, I think actually people are going yeah. moving past that. So 
given that's how we're going, let's talk about how we might put together a plan for this. Yeah. So I see here on the notes, we've got talk about what you're doing and commit to it. Now that is really important, isn't it? Especially with social, when you're relying on social media, like we are at the moment. Yeah. I think it's sort of, if you make yourself accountable saying you are going to do it, I mean, I need to do that. If I sort of wallow mm-hmm. quietly and, and don't tell, you know, anyone what I'm doing, I'm much less likely to actually get on and do it. Whereas well, it's if basic I make, marketing too, isn't it? Absolutely. You need to sort of state proudly that this is what you're doing, this is why. And of course, then you're you're kind of allowing the audience into your world and they'll be, you know, rooting for you or very curious to see sort of how you navigate and and produce and and make something through this situation. I mean, my social media approach has always been to take things from beginning to end. So Mm. I I quite often, well, almost every print I make, I I drag my viewers through the journey of (laughs) making it because it, it's interesting for them to see the sort of genesis of a, a work and how it develops and it gives you really good material. Mm. I mean, if I think a trap a lot of people fall into is feeling like it just has to be the, the shiny, beautiful, finished yeah. object, mm. preferably tarted up and in a sort of lovely sitting. Mm. And actually what I find is that, yes, that picture has its place, but people really want to know. They want to know stuff yeah. like, you know, what does your studio look like mm. and what's that for and what's this? And and they want to see you yes. and they want to see you at work. And and even if it's not going well or it's it's a problem or you've got creative block or something like that, they... They're interested yeah, by that. It's, it's, the, it's, it's communication. I want to sort mm. of stress and underline here that, mm. you know, when was the last time you communicated with your audience? And mm. even if you're not producing or making anything, mm. it is important to keep those channels of communication open, update people what you're doing. And it is okay, I think, to say, I'm not producing anything at the moment because of X, Y, and Z. I think you, you do, as long as you've got a positive twist on it. And yes. I think actually as a working artist, you kind of have a responsibility to would-be working artists and art students and people like that to show the reality of the situation. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to yeah. sugarcoat it because I don't no. think that's very good for the perception of mental health and how you're dealing with something. And it's not compassionate because this is seriously affecting so many people in the world out there. No, I mean, when I go wrong, which I do periodically, I I will always be honest about Mm. it. And I've I've shown things where I've had to trash a print or something like that. And it's interesting that I quite often hear from students or young artists who say, oh, you know, I feel much better now because I know you don't get it right all the Mm. time. And the older I get, sort of hopefully the slightly wiser, I realise that nobody gets it right no, all the time. Not at all. Uh, and, and social media can be very duplicitous about that because it is a shiny, happy world where yeah. we're all, we've all got freshly washed hair and we're all wonderfully creative all the time. Mm. So don't be afraid to just to be open and honest, but do keep it positive and you know, make a promise to produce or make something, make that promise to yourself, mm. make it to a, yeah, a, a creative through. friend and, and follow through. And that, sh- that sh- can be often the start of something that can, you know, keep your mind positive and focus yeah. on something to be doing as opposed to dwelling on the negative. So, Peter, I think it's time that we inserted a little bit of colour into this podcast. 
So, Laura, tell us a bit more about the colour that you've been playing with this week. Oh, yeah, of course. So it's all been whiter shades of pale for me this week because I'm working on a couple of prints and both of them have got large moons in them. And moons are often a feature of traditional Japanese woodblock prints. And I I kind of like to add them to mine from time to time. Mm -hmm. And I've turned to Michael Harding's warm white and his buff titanium watercolour paints. Oh, buff titanium. I know, doesn't (laughs) Doesn't that sound great? To do justice to my moons. So the warm white, as it suggests, Mm -hmm. is is a beautifully warm colour. And with just a touch of Indian yellow, I've been making really lovely glowing white which has been the moon that's shining out of a Prussian blue sky in one Lovely. print. And I know that you and I have a, a passion for Michael's Prussian blue. Mm-hmm. And the cooler, the, the, the buff titanium is cooler colour. And I've used that for a more dramatic moon in the other print. So that is is almost a bone-coloured moon. And that is in a pale, pinky gold evening sky, which is quite sensual sort of (laughs) colour. So those colours are both playing a very important part in bringing the prints to life. And they're they're also my sort of subtle homage to the Japanese print tradition as well. Sounds beautiful. And if you'd like to sign up for notifications about these brand new up and coming watercolour range and to find out more information about the fantastic colours offered by Michael Harding Paints and why artists all over the world consider his colours the best, simply visit michaelharding.co.uk. And now we've had our colour fix, let's get back to talking about art marketing. So by making a sort of an art marketing plan, and that sounds very kind of corporate, we're not sort of saying you should be writing down this sort of plan, but these are kind of key points that certainly Laura and I are are kind of keeping in our mind as we navigate through this new COVID world. One of the key points for me is identifying your audience. Now, if you, by that I mean, knowing who your audience is will Mm. greatly help improve your chances of making any sales and certainly surviving a dry spell, like the, 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 the spell that we're experiencing at the moment. I think you're right. I mean, there are a couple of things that can help with this. I mean, I, I quite often check out my analytics. So on uh. Instagram, Google, things like that. And they'll give you a sort of very rough ballpark figure out, are they male or female? What sort of age? Stuff like that. But also you need to think about the kind of people you would see face to face in the normal world as Mm. well. Yeah, I I do. I mean, when I'm talking, Mm. and I mean this by writing, if I'm writing an email Mm. or I'm writing a newsletter Mm. or social media posts, I always try and as if I'm talking to one person. I think that's very sensible. And I kind of, that that makes, I suppose, my manner more conversational. Yeah. Um, But, you know, obviously trying to keep a professional point to that. But it keeps it specific as opposed to kind of too waffling and too generic, which I try and avoid at all costs. Well, I think also on the subject of waffling, well, I I always try and... and my approach, as I say, is mm. to, to as though I'm writing to a good friend, but with a fat pen on a small postcard when I'm writing yeah, marketing. Nice. Yeah. And if you see it like that, so you're engaging, but you haven't got mm. much space to say anything. So you keep it very short and sweet. I yeah. think that's quite important, just specifically for writing marketing yeah. stuff. Now, when it comes to sort of, you know, in regards to identifying who your audience is, then it's your job as the artist to try and identify the key needs. And you see this a lot in in marketing jargon. What are the key needs? What are the problems? But also what are the desires of that customer? Mm. So it's it's that last thing. We're dealing very much in desires, aren't we? Absolutely. You're not looking to kind of fix things, but you know, consider whether your Mm. own 
you know, your own creativity can help them or perhaps inspire mm. them mm. and allow them to enjoy life with what you're producing, making and teaching. But I guess there are needs in terms of the teaching. Yeah. So like when I started doing these, these sort of little tutorial things on YouTube, these mm. sort of free tutorial things on YouTube, I was very conscious of the way I did it was to look the camera in the eye and just imagine it was a one-to-one mm. with a great client. And all the way through, I don't, when I do live streams, for example, I just imagine that I've got a group of friends in the studio mm. and that, that really helped me mm. because rather than thinking, oh my God, Mr. B is pointing a camera at me, how terrifying. Mm. I just immediately thought, this is lovely. I've got someone in here I can talk to, Yeah, you know, and I get... You know, very excited at the idea of actually chatting to people. Yeah. In regards to sort of the, the teaching side, I know not everyone out there does teaching, mm. but um, you can sort of work this in a dif- different way in regards to communication is that there was there was a group of people who, who still wanted to learn, not necessarily to learn how to, to paint or draw or techniques mm. of art. They just wanted something in their diary, like a committed few hours a week that they could look forward oh, to you know yeah. basically having a bit of a purpose well, in a, a bit world of a rhythm that's falling apart you need something yeah something. And, and to be honest it wasn't just you know the, the students that wanted that it was me as well yeah, I wanted something in that diary mm. that I could kind of work towards so it was kind of a self-made project this is where I was turning my teaching instead of in person to digital teaching via zoom whether it was teaching one-to-one uh, teaching small groups or then um, what I'm doing a lot at the moment which is uh, zoom demonstrations where anyone around the world can log in and it gives me purpose but it's giving other people purpose to tune Mm. in and I am also doing it as a student I am logging into other artists and watching how sort of they kind of communicate and that's giving me kind of accountability I'm also learning seeing how they're teaching and it's sort of that purpose and momentum still carries on it hasn't just ground to a grinding halt so find that way of giving yourself purpose Mm. whether it's you delivering something or whether you kind of um, getting that purpose from somebody else so you mentioned they're sort of catching up with other artists and what they're doing. I think uniting with with like-minded creatives is, is really important at the moment because, you know, things are wobbly and having your peers to talk to, communicate with uh, is is very, very important. I think more so than ever, I have been keeping up to date with my artistic friends and colleagues just from a social just checking in for some it's actually calling up and saying how are you handling this situation how are you running your courses how are you running your art Mm. school so there's sort of professional sharing we know there it's not necessarily competitive it's all we're all trying to sing from the same sheet you know i think that's and that's another thing that you can do on social media it's it's like i i know i i make a big effort now to keep an eye on what other printmakers are doing on Instagram and mm. things and just touching base and, mm. and saying, I like what they're doing or, you know, some kind of positive message, things mm. like that. And I know when people do that for me, it's a really nice thing. And I, I feel that's really, really helpful. I think if you're looking to survive a, you know, particularly challenging dry spell like this is look to those artists and creatives who you aspire to be like and look at the Mm. way that they're doing Mm. and sort of reach out to them try and connect with those people that you see are working and and doing this successfully and just reach out to them say you know what say you like what they're doing it might turn out into a conversation it might turn out you know a meeting for coffee yeah and and likewise and you know i i do it with others and sometimes i've done it with others coming to me it just sort of closes that gap the world becomes you know a little smaller when you kind of reach out to your own community it keeps you accountable it keeps you working and 
as on the whole, I don't know about you, but most artists and creators are open and do want to help. You know, they're not oh, all I secretive think, and hidden. Yeah. Some are, but on the whole, people do want to help. I mean, I would say that it's a rare exception who isn't hmm. friendly and approachable. And I think, you know, it's also keeping tabs on other people connected in the business. So if you're a member of an art society, yeah. maybe catching up with people, maybe catching up with the local gallery, mm. things like that. Absolutely, because they're struggling enormously, mm. galleries and festivals and, and fairs. You know, they, they're going to need us when hopefully mm. all this sort of blows away and we can come back. Mm. So, you know, do, don't burn any bridges at all. You know, oh, absolutely keep reaching not. Out. And remember, if, if you not. haven't got this artistic network yet mm. or you're building on it, then working with friends and family is fine. It's a great place to start you know don't lose those heroes at the very start that will be your biggest champions at the beginning and that will shout from the rooftops about you so don't just no. leave that um, network aside I think you have to be really careful one of the things that I've seen recently on social media which I think is a bit of a mistake it are people who because of covid there have been things cancelled or there have been things delayed stuff like that and mm. they want advice from they, they you know, from other artists, maybe about getting deposits back and stuff, which is fine. But don't mention venues by name. Right. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with saying X is causing problems. I can't get my deposit back. What do you advise? Mm. But be very careful of naming about and shaming. Naming and yeah. shaming. I wouldn't do that. Mm. I would. I would just keep things anonymous mm. um just just i know it's not a great thing to do no to, it's not nice if you're if you're a venue that are can, struggling and, and yeah. findings difficult and having to make yeah. really uncomfortable horrible yeah. decisions you're not doing it because you want to do it you're in a horrible situation to be made to do it to, in order to survive and exactly i want those places to still be there when we all go back to normal. So, you yeah, know, do my best. Well, to you say, can be burn. sure that it'll bite the artist in the bum Absolutely. in the end because the venue will not forget if they see they've been bad mouthed on Absolutely. social media. So, if you are going to keep going through the dry spell, for me, the one thing that I found enormously helpful and actually the most successful thing to keep me going is, is setting myself a clear goal, establishing a new project. So a lot of my commissions, which of course relied on one-to-one -one meetings, all had to disappear. My residency at a big uh, theatre, of course the theatre closed and that huge mm -hmm. year project, all my in-person teaching went. Mm. So suddenly I was sort of left with a lot of time, which in some ways is an exciting prospect, but in reality was utterly scary and terrifying. Mm. So I had to sort of set myself something to do as opposed to just sort of wandering around and tidying and sort of messing about and playing so I set myself a, a a project in painting a series of still life paintings and it served a multitude of purposes I was learning a new technique and a new genre I was utilizing it for teaching um, a new way of painting as well and then I've now created a big body of 40 plus paintings which I'm now holding an online art exhibition Fantastic. partly as an experiment to see if this is a viable option into the future, even when COVID is, is hopefully out of our lives. But because I set myself that project, mm. I've committed to it. Mm. You know, I've blanked out days where I'm going to be looking at painting and mm. marketing and so on. If I wasn't as strict as putting it in my diary, I would not have been doing it. I would have been floundering around and messing about. So 
I think setting yourself a clear goal I is, is a key, key thing for this. And I know you've been doing right. this with your your um, your YouTube videos and so on. Well, and also the pledge prints. I mean, exactly, the, well, yeah. the latest Japanese woodblock ones that I'm doing, um, I'm doing, I'm actually, it's really interesting because I'm working like a printer would work in traditional Japanese woodblock back in historical Japan mm. in that I am printing an enormous number of small prints. Yes. And that's been really good for my... Um, printing and professionally for how I'm working. So not only am I making prints for the pledge to Mm. sell, but I'm also honing my technique and experiencing a new way of working, which is really exciting. So that's that's thrown up a whole set of challenges but at the same time i feel like it's moving me on as a printmaker Mm. so you know that's that's really excellent now if you're at home and you're not quite sure you know what sort of project to set yourself i'd recommend you uh, listen back to our episode that we did all on working in a series because we discussed all we did yes different ways you know how you can make a series essentially out of nothing and to really kind of appeal to your interest so if you're not sure what to do definitely check out that episode and hopefully that'll give you a good pointer also i I think there are some pretty good hints and tips in the creative block episode as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. So have a look at those. So Laura, what um, would you say is our important takeaway for today's episode? So the takeaway for this week is that to be a sought after artist, you need to constantly improve yourself and your skills. Create a goal to create new masterpieces, fascinate people, but don't forget to devote some time to your marketing activity every day. If in doubt, find a like-minded creative and bounce some ideas off each other or collaborate. Well, thank you, Laura, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, you can catch up with all the stuff we've covered during this episode and all our previous episodes in our show notes at askanartistpodcast.com. And if you have any questions, do drop them via the website as well. 